Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. My name is Mark DeMayo. I'm your host. Sitting in with me tonight is my new, my brand new co-host, um, straight out of the 4-8 in, in the Bronx, living somewhere in parts unknown right now. They're very <laughs> tall, they're very handsome. What's up, Angel Masonette? What's up, buddy? What's up, brother? Como esta? I'm doing okay, man. I can't complain. I feel better. How are you feeling, by the way? I'm good, man. I can't, you know, I can't complain. Nobody cares. I'm doing well. You were a little bit under the weather the last time we yeah, spoke. Yeah, last... yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife doesn't let me cry about it, you know? She's like, you know, go do this, go do that. You know, uh, women are stronger than us, so she keeps me Yeah, alive. yeah, they sure are. And uh, yeah. I'm very excited about our guest tonight, Angel. So let me give you a rundown. He came on the job in 1982. He worked for the infamous street crime unit from 84 to 86, then went to Queens Narcotics from 86 to 89. He became a sergeant. He listened to somebody, even though he was uh, he was very happy as a detective. He listened to somebody and took the sergeant's test. And wouldn't you know it, he passed. And to congratulate him, they put him to work as a sergeant in the 7-7 and the 7-5. That was a... <laughs> what a way Crooklyn. to start. Brooklyn. <laughs> buddy boys. The buddy boys. Then he went to Brooklyn North TNT, which TNT is a great name for it. They should bring that back. I, I like just yeah. the sound of it. It scares the shit out of people. <laughs> right, right. From 91 to 96... Uh, then he became a lieutenant and he went to the police academy and worked in the physical ed department to, uh, I guess, to study for his, uh, his captain's test, exactly. which he passed, yes. which he passed. And then he became the XO of the 6-7, the CEO of uh, Brooklyn, was that uh, Bronx, uh, Brooklyn South Task Force? Yes. The six. Then he went to work at the 6-8 and then he wound up back in narcotics in Queens. No, you left out two. Pre Wait, not many people have to do three precinct commands. I did the 6-8. The six six and the one oh three for seven years. I was a precinct. Oh commander. man. Oh so yeah, I'm, you I did was the one oh three? Oh, I was there for almost four years. Oh, I'm a hard one. Well, what were you before or after? What was that guy that um, they used to put the the oh the urinal? Oh, what are those That's what are those things called? Oh the, the urinal, urinal cakes. Oh, urinal urinal cakes. cakes. Oh, I went to take cakes. a I went to take a piss oh. in the 103 one day. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I saw I Gunther's face. Gunther That's was right. an inspector on our job. That's right. And he was um, a chief actually when we retired. A chief. Okay, but I think when he was in the 103, though, he was That's correct. Was, and they used to, you know, a urinal cake is what you these those those <laughs> the yeah, yeah. things that you put in there with the scent, with that um the mental whatever the scent that is to yeah. get rid of the piss. This is true. But, like rice cakes. He was so hated. He they was must so have hated. made him up. Somebody made him up with oh. his face on it. Listen, when I went to the 103 precinct, first of all, I knew him already. I had dealings with him that were not pleasant as a sergeant. Now, oh. here I am. I'm the CEO of the 103. I already have been a precinct commander for, for five years. So uh -huh. when I went to do the third one, that's hardcore. I was a DI. But anyway, I go there. The, the PBA comes to see me, the whole board. The board of the PBA comes into the 103 office to meet with me. And I had uh, the vice president, the Queens trustee, the Queens financial secretary, and the, all delegates from the 103. And the number three guy in the PBA who had been in the 103 for 20 years, the first thing he said to me was, yeah. we hear that you are a very fair man, that you're a tough man because you were a real cop, but you're fair. And I says, yes, I am. As long as people work, I will have their back. They never have to worry about a thing. And they all started to laugh. And I says, well, inspector, it doesn't matter what you do here. Because we had Charlie Gunther here for three years, and you could never, <laughs> ever top him for what he well, did. I'm just, I'm, I have uh, no idea how people go off the rails like that. Uh, but I'm going to ask you in a second. Let me just give a shout out to all the people that are, are tuning in live with the chat. 
NFLA. I guess that's North Florida. Gary is a new member, so we want to congratulate you, Gary. Thank you so much for helping us out, and I wish you a happy new year. The lady is Thanks, a tramp. Gary. Hello, Bill and friends. Well, Bill is not here tonight. Bill has his own show, uh, Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime. Tonight we're doing Police Off the Cuff After Hours. Uh, Bill is here, Ryan Investigator Group. What's up, Bill? Who else do we got here? Um, let's see. Gina G. Hi. She says hello to everybody. Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates is coming Kathy in Bates from- Kathy um, Bates is becoming a frequent flyer. Yeah. Kathy Bates is, lives, uh, we found out now, in Springfield, Massachusetts, which nice. I, I kind of sort of know pretty well in my early career stand-up comedy. I did a lot of shows for some reason in Springfield, Massachusetts. So I kind of am familiar with that. I think um, the, funny the Funny Bone is there. Basketball Hall of Fame. Well, yeah, that's another thing that's out yeah. there. There's um, a big gun gun manufacturer out there, too. Oh, really? It sure is. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Ruth Ann Griffin is with us tonight. Thank you for um, joining us, Ruth Ann. Single mom of four. Well, welcome, Inspector Robert, she says. Um, Ange, and Ange is in, in tonight. She's going to help me out. Uh, we're going to be putting together um, a little tribute to um, – Oh, I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later. I don't want to – Spoil the surprise right now. Lorna McKenzie. Hello. And she says hello to you, Peter Pranzo. Peter Pranzo and Raquel, they join us. Um, Peter Pranzo of Harlem Raiders fame, by the way. That's a book that he wrote, um, Rob. And, well, when uh, I was wife, a street crime, Lieutenant Pranzo was a, uh, a a lieutenant. He had come back as a lieutenant there. Yeah, he's a wonderful person, man. I got to tell you. That him and his wife, working, just man. beautiful, beautiful people, man. We're blessed to have them um be part of the show blondie 1025 she says hello lieutenant pete uh let's see what else we got here single mom. yolanda turner hi yolanda turner hey detective mike charles um kathy bates we got the J joe pimpertel did i say that right pimpertel and i mentioned Ange. all right so let's get back to the show here joe murray's on we don't want to forget about joe murray you know joe murray rob yes Oh, yeah, he's a, he's a great attorney. We'll, we'll do his commercial later on. I think I might have forgot last time. Dawn Marie, hello. She says, hello, Mark. I say, hello, Dawn Marie. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. All right, so where were we? We were back uh, talking about the 103 and Gunther. How, uh, what happens What happens to people and um, and, and they, when they become so uh, – would that well, be I'll any job? No, from my experience, it wasn't – see, I think as I, because I have the – the benefit of having gone through 27 ranks in the job and getting up to the, the almost the top, you know, I made it to the 13th floor. The, the people, Tigers never changed their stripes. And I don't believe that. I believe most of these people that are notorious in the police department, and there was a handful of them. They never changed from the time they were cops and sergeants. And I run into people for the last 40 years in my life that are assholes. And there's just a handful of them. And those good guys who were good people, they stay the same. I, he was; these people were miserable human beings when they were walking a foot post. That's well, right. when you're a cop, the only people that you can pretty much shit on are civilians. If you're an asshole, right? And then you know that's why I guess. And then once they start moving up, then they realize, oh, I could shit on everybody. Well, well, and and that's the thing that most I try to to get people to. When I realized when I got to a certain level, you do make changes, and you can. When you work, I'll give you the most simplistic example, because as a police officer for eight years and a sergeant for eight years, I really spent the predominant part of my police career as a worker. Because sergeants, to me, are the most important people in the police department. I have preached this for, four, for my whole life. They are the people that get the job done. They fix little problems. They keep everyone out of trouble. They keep it away from the captain or whatever. 
But the, let's start with the most jokiest thing you can think of. Vacation picks. Here we are, December 1st. You all remember, the admin lieutenant sends those vacation picks out to all those squads and all those people. And the whole thing gets whacked up into all those little pieces. Yep. Well, we all know what it's like when you got that one guy in the group whose wife's a teacher. And he don't want to take the pick yet. He's got to wait for three weeks. No. Not when you were in the 103 to 66 or the 68. Mm -hmm. I went to the admin lieutenant. I said, I want that shit back January 15th on my desk. Everything's done. That's what the administrative guide says. Mm -hmm. I don't want to mess around. Because you know what I was thinking about? I wasn't giving a poop about. First of all, the top guys get everything they want anyway. Mm -hmm. The middle, It's the guy in the middle that's screwing everybody up behind them. Mm -hmm. It happened that's to right. me. It yeah. happened to me. I remember when I was always, I was always at the back of the bus. And there's always that one guy that don't care about the other 10. Well, guess mm -hmm. what? Now you got the chance to say you're doing good for the other nine. And that's the truth of management that people don't know, that you're really you know, working for the 90%. Having worked in um, after I retired from the police department in, in different forms, like I work as a, a concierge in a building in a city part time. Um, that's that's one of my bones of contention. I'm like, why don't we just do this? Because what you mentioned, it's like the people that um, they hold on to that vacation pick or they're not picking. <laughs> Classic. Oh, and then yeah. it's, it screws everything up. And I'm like, it'll be so okay. easy. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a well, bone of contention with me as well. But but it's almost like the same thing. Well, you got well, you were in, in the squad. You were in uh, OCCB, right, Mark? At one point. No, no, I was in the. Oh. I went to the um, the Warren squad. Okay, but the the prisoner van. I'll give you the simple thing. I was a sergeant for seven years in narcotics. We had to work half the year on a Saturday night. We had to do enforcement. Once we switched over to those Sunday Mondays off, me and the other sergeant, I put a big fucking sign up on the door. Pick a week Saturday night for the prisoner van. That's and it. pick a Saturday night you, you, you got on and you were getting on, right? So now everybody would come over and they would put their name down because this made sense. I'm making it fair. I'm making it reasonable. This way I'm not picking on anybody. Everybody's getting a fair shake, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. So you try – because once again, it goes back to that like – well, I don't want to go into a whole thing about here on management. But like the police department wasted 60000 They sent me to Columbia University for this PMI they run. One of the things you'll learn is a rule. It's called the 108010 rule, which – works in any industry, from McDonald's to being a chief of the New York Police Department. You work for the 80% in the middle. The mm -hmm. top 10%, they don't care who this new police commissioner is. They don't care who the last police commissioner is. They just love being a cop or an inspector. The bottom 10, they're miserable. They hate their wife. They hate the dog. The pen runs out of ink. They blame the job. Forget about them. Just put them out of your head. It's the 80 in the middle. Those are the real people that you want to get happy. You want to make them happy. You want to motivate them. You want them to say, the job cares about me. I'm not a number. I'm not just a tax number. I'm a person. And they do care. And you know and what? I was... trick. That's all it is. This is not rocket science. Uh, I, I asked you guys uh, if you want if you wanted to contribute. Since tomorrow is New Year's Eve, and we're both all three of us are retired now from the job. You know, New Year's Eve detail was um, it was one of the worst thing. Well, obviously, <laughs> we all know the West Indian Day Parade is the worst thing that you can get. And then depending on who you talk to, they might have not wanted to go to the Puerto Rican Day Parade for whatever. Maybe they don't like women scantily clad. I was going to say that was never an unpopular one. Exactly. Well, like, no, but it, it did become unpopular 
after that after incident. the incident in Central Park, yeah, yeah. And right. if, if you know, if you're tuning in, you're not from New York. We had a uh, one year the 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 Puerto Rican Day Parade got a little they crazy. They were wilding. They were wilding in the park. Yeah, they were they were they were groping they were women and stuff like that. It made a big like deal in the paper here. Savages. Yeah. They it had to walk through a gauntlet, and it was men <laughs> on each side. And any woman that wa- walked through that gauntlet was. It was basically either verbally or physically harassed or both. You know, I never, then, I never worked that detail. But after that thing happened, a couple of friends of mine got, who were high-ranking members, got these letters in their folder of instruction, which was a bunch of bullshit. But yeah, I, heard, I found out later on that this was a common occurrence. Once again, the the creation of the video camera and everything else altered yeah. the perception of the parade. You know, yep. that's right. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Right. things right. change drastically. But so back to New Year's Eve. So I'll start it off. I'll tell you a little story. In the year two thousand, I um I came on in in ninety two. So I had eight years on the job, and the plan was I was in the task force at the time. No, I was in the warrant squad. That's where I was, and the plan was that um, whoever was working that night, we were going to team up together, and everybody was going to bring a bottle of something. So let's say Angel said, I'll bring some vodka. I said, I'll bring this. Rob, you said you'd bring that. And then at the end, come showtime, the day of, nobody brought anything. So now whoever I'm stuck in the van with, uh, it's coming our break, mealtime. And we're looking around, walking around, looking for a place to um, to have a nice dinner and maybe throw one back, you know, to bring in the new year. Well, we, we were, the further we walked away from Times Square, obviously the less restaurants that were open. We're ready to give up. Uh, we didn't want to send somebody into a liquor store because imagine, now you're like in uniform paying some other guy. Hey, listen, do me a favor. Go in there. You don't want to go in. Yeah. That's appalling. Appalling. So, uh, appalling behavior. So <laughs> right, when we, right when we were ready to give up, we were about two blocks off of um, off of our post uh, heading further east. Uh, right when we were ready to give up, I peek in this Mexican restaurant. And I see somebody all the way in the back walking across. So I did two things in my head. I realized, okay, this place, they're probably doing something back there. And you won't be able to see us because this guy's, this guy's walking across with a pl- with food. But there's a dining area that's out of view. So if you're a regular civilian, you can't see inside there. So I knock on a door and I spook the guy. I said, come over here. <laughs> said, Show me what a cabaret. You? Show me said, a cabaret license. Yeah, yeah. What are you doing? You having a party in there? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's just the staff. I said, perfect. That's all we want. I yeah. said, Could you mind if we come in? And he goes, no, no, no. Come in. So the guy let us in. We sat down. We had uh, we had something to eat. And they were kind enough to uh, give us a little, what, one little cup of rum with Coke or maybe two. And did I mention that they had a mechanical bull there? <laughs> this, is after, this is after three rum and cokes. Oh, yeah, <laughs> New Year's yeah, Eve, two thousand. There, there you is. go. Wow, that's great. <laughs> we got it. We had him start that thing up. <laughs> Very nice. Want to be in a cop? Yeah, one of the oh, best yeah, nights yeah. we ever had, man. That's good. Uh, listen, <laughs> hey, well, you know, hey, look, I, I was a sergeant in narcotics, and I, I had an old time lieutenant, and he said to me one time, he said, I, "I'm going to give it to you real simple. When you're a cop." The job's a lot of fun. He said, when you're a sergeant, eh, you still have a lot of laughs. It's fun. As a lieutenant, not so much fun. This isn't if you want to be a captain or more. This is not that much fun. Well, mm-hmm. he was right. George Hogan, his name was. And uh, yeah. he was a very intelligent man. And he was correct because the level of expectations and aggravation just arises along. Yeah. You know, yeah. I have pictures. Now, you talked about the, the like New Year's Eve. Nobody wants to go there because it's cold. And they want to be – that's a party night. You want to be with your friends or your girlfriend or your wife or your kids or whatever. Listen, mm-hmm. my poor wife, 
I got married when I was 29. I wasn't home until I was 49. Right. On New Year's that's, why so, you you mar- that's why you stayed married. That's why you stayed married. Oh, well, that's another whole story. Yes, of course. <laughs> but, but, the you know, like, you know, you never, ho- you know, that, that, that that's a detail that a lot of people don't yeah. want to work, you know, and it's yeah, just a cold yeah. night. But when you're young and you're like the picture Mark just showed, well, then it's yeah. a lot of laughs. You know, when I was in the street crime unit, first of all, it's at the stroke of midnight. What day is it? It's January 1st. That's what it. happens on January 1st? It's a new month. What do you need on a new month? First collar. How many collars? <laughs> Overtime, the 35 cap went back to zero. Uh-huh. And everybody so, was carrying guns on New Year's And Eve. well, it was, a, you know, there was a whole, I yeah, was telling was Mark, you know, listen, this thing has evolved. When I went there in 2000, for the first time, in probably like 10 years, it had gone to a TV show. Yeah. It's, it's a TV show. Back in 1980s, 80s, 70s, I guess, or 80s, whatever. I was there like maybe six, seven times. It was nothing like this. The barriers were set up by Manhattan South. The people would flow in. They would go behind the barriers. The cops would stand out in the street. They had their post or whatever you had. You know, we were scattered all around the area. And then when the ball dropped, most people would leave. They would drink. They were drunk when they were got there. They were drinking when they were there. No one gave a shit about anything that went on. Mm-hmm. You never That's saw right. a boss. There was no mayor. There was no police chiefs. There was no commissioner walking through. There was none of this. And everybody just like kind of like just froze looked at their clock and couldn't wait to fill out the overtime slip to go home. But in street crime at midnight now, the fun started because all the mm-hmm. people that stuck around that were drunk became the victims and they became the guns. <laughs> so now oh, yeah, yeah, everybody yeah. wanted to get on that night because what happened? Yeah. Well, back then they paid us overtime to work. So now you're there and everybody, you see a bunch of guys rolling around, jumping on a guy, chains, knives a gun whatever the hell it was going on you know madness right right, but right by two or three o'clock in the morning the whole unit was in midtown south laughing <laughs> calling up i mean it was a whole yeah, yeah. A whole shit show and yep. once again there was no media coverage of any of this all you saw on tv was this fun event everybody had a good time well the ball came down yeah. nobody knew about the people that got the piss beat out of them that got raw <laughs> <laughs> that got beat up you know whatever went on i mean that was, yeah. this was the old 42nd street era i mean things were different oh yeah yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. it was fun yeah, it was different sure yeah. it was fun i was 24 right right <laughs> tom cusinelli says good evening gentlemen good evening tom that's the name a real, that rings a bell there's a real cop that's yeah. right but, uh, you know, I mean, New Year's Eve was the detail that I personally, you mentioned it before. I worked the West Indian Day Parade 21 years in a row. That people oh would say, God. well, you'd say why? Well, because why? I was a rookie. Then I was in street crime with TPF. Then I went to street crime. We, I was a young cop. They sent you there every year, that thing. But you know what? It's 75 to 80 degrees out. You're in a short sleeve shirt. It's a lot of fun once you're standing out there on Easter Parkway. The people are fun. The people who participated in the parade, yeah, they're great. Way back, they were it's great. A, they are a great group yeah, of people. They, they were costumes. Yes, yeah, these are the nice eating, people. They're drinking, they're smoking they, their weed. No matter people where you go, the they're offering you food on yeah, the side, yeah, on the islands yeah. of Eastern Parkway. They're giving you, uh, there's plenty of drinking going on. I won't say the inspector had a few beers, but there was plenty of drinking back in the day. And everyone had fun with it. And I have all kinds yeah. of pictures upstairs in my house of, me and my friends as cops and sergeants laughing. It was a good time. I mean, it was, it was time, warm. Yeah. I hate the cold. I hated that New Year's Eve detail. And I went there 22 years in a row. And here's a funny story for you. I leave there. I, first of all, of course, now I go up in rank. You know, like you're always there every year. Now I'm in Brooklyn South as a captain, which I landed in Brooklyn South. I didn't know anything about the borough. Never worked there. I'm the XO with a 
you worked the whole month straight because I didn't know the history of the the moss camps and the the whole thing about what what that's really about. That's the final mm-hmm. day of the whole month festivity in the Caribbean of the of the, right. of the uh, yeah yeah. The, the night before was the worst one. Oh, I, I worked dude, that night. Oh, it never God, ended. That's a hell. That, that, that hell. was the problem with it that it never ended. Right. Hey, well, James Cone says. Uh, James well, Cone says we own the night. We did own the night, Jimmy Cone. That and, mental cup, please. And Mike, Michael, Michael Cody. Good evening, I, gents. Good to see Mike some Cody. more police with tails. I worked. How great the job I worked was. for Mike in the foray. I worked. I wouldn't go in a helicopter. <laughs> I don't. I went up twice and I was scared. And Mike <laughs> Cone comes to work for me as a as a as a captain in narcotics in Brooklyn, Queens. He is a Black Hawk helicopter pilot in the army. He's a colonel. Among oh, other things. Oh, it's crazy. You can't make the people we have. This man is begging me to come. I says, Mike, I'm not going up in a black hook helicopter out of West Ham Beach. <laughs> so what does he do? He comes. I'm in my office. The fucking building was shaking. Everybody <laughs> in the building that comes outside is a black hook helicopter shaking the boat. Crazy. But, uh, yeah, yeah. but, but New times. Year's Eve, you know, but New Year's Eve back in those days was was a lot of crime and a lot of uh a lot more of course drunk and disorderly conduct. Now what that thing evolved into with people are going, who want it's like going to TSA at the airport. You gotta go through a checkpoint. You, I oh, just yeah. this, you yeah, can't carry diapers, a pocket. You gotta shit yourself. Yeah, you can't you gotta have a bowel pens. You gotta have a bowel movement before you come. How about the diaper yeah. wearing? It's madness. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah they they put you because what happens is once you get through that checkpoint, which by the way, I remember one night they were confiscating alcohol. They gave us a, a big uh, a garbage bag, a garbage can, one of those rubber maids <laughs> where we were supposed to put. Yeah. Oh. So if you came through this area, uh, yeah. um, you know, we throw were supposed your, to throw put, your booze out. And then they come and collect it later on. So right. you know how you we would break it up. So it was me and my partner. We had uh, some time. We had 10, 12 years. And then they gave us like two rookies. So like, oh, we're going to break it up. You do this hour. We'll come back. We'll do that hour. When we came back <clears> after that hour, they had like half this freaking barrel full. Oh my god. <laughs> like, what the back fuck are you the guys car. doing? And they were stopping they were stopping people like a guy. It's one thing if you're stopping kids. But they, this guy's in a right, tuxedo. Right, right. He's going With to one a party. Oh my god. In the Marriott. Yeah. He's got his wife. Yeah. She's oh. in a dress. Like she looks like Cinderella. And you're taking oh, away no. their that three hundred dollar bottle of champagne. I gave the no, champagne. I said, I gave bad. the champagne well, guy to the guy. Old. I walked him to the hotel. Right. But I gotta tell you, when the when the rookies came back, man. They were like, what happened to all the liquor? I says, oh, you know, the other van came by and they yeah. picked it up. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It went away. It disappeared like the fireworks do. Yeah, I, we had I, a, work, I told them we had a voucher. It. Yeah. I worked uh, 99 to 2000, right, where everybody thought the world was going to end, right? They thought that the clocks were oh. going to get all fucked up. It was Y2K. Yeah, it was Y2K. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So everybody thought that the clocks were going to stop working you know, the, the city's lights were going to go off. It was like the fucking, it, the end of days, right? So um, they sent me first to Columbus Circle. Uh, then uh, a guy I used to work with in the 4-8, John Gallagher, he had just gotten promoted to uh, sergeant. So he drives by an RP and, he, and he's like, you're my driver for the rest of the night. I says, beautiful. So I go in the car with him. We head up to uh, Emerald City, which used to be the old Copacabana. I remember I used 50, to work there. I was a bouncer there. 57, yeah, yeah. So we're parked in front. And, you know, the countdown is on or whatever. And I'm in ERP and I'm, you know, I'm the operator and I'm reading the paper and John is next to me. And unbeknownst to me, he's fucking catching flies, right? He's fucking, he's out. So we're just there chilling. The girls are coming in and out of the club. We're having a good, I'm having a good time. Uh, All of a sudden I feel a tap in my window, right? And I look over and I'm like, holy shit. And I see the scrambled eggs 
and the stars. And it was the it was the chief and Rob, I'm sure you know who it is. I forget his name. He had an Irish broke. He's the guy that they blacktopped his uh, fucking lawn when he went over to Ireland and they called I him and said he was a terrorist. I worked for Haggerty. Haggerty, <laughs> there you go. So he taps yeah. on the window oh, God. and I look over and I'm like, oh shit. So oh, I'm like, God. John, get up. So he gets up and he's like, get out of the car, Sergeant, get out of the car. And it's fucking broke, right? So now John gets out, he puts his hat on. He's like, were you fucking sleeping? Were you fucking sleeping? And he's like, no, 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 I wasn't sleeping. He's like, your eyes were closed and your head was back. You were fucking sleeping, Sergeant. And he's like, no, I wasn't sleeping. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't know what to do. He's like, get out of the car. He made us put a checkpoint and we had to lock up like 50 fucking people in front of the oh Copacabana on fucking New Year's Eve. It was horrible. That guy Haggerty, what a fuck! Oh my god, what a nightmare! So that was my hey, crazy Christy, New Year's story. When he was when he was in the seven nine, you talk about no. I'll tell the story because I don't give a crap anymore. I, mean, I didn't work there. <laughs> Statue of limitations is up. <laughs> he, exactly. He was the CEO of the seven nine, and he was not very well received by the the, the rank and file. Let's leave it at that. They cashed his check in a liquor store oh, over there I in heard the ghetto. That. I heard that story. I heard it's that true. story. It's true. They did. Yeah. What about they the uh, his lawn? They blacked up his what, lawn. They called. They got taken uh, off. Oh. They called TSA and they said he was a terrorist for the IRA. But yeah, and they well, fucking well, took his whole family well, off the plane. Listen, well, once again, <laughs> see, but but what I didn't know at the time, I was a sergeant uh, at the time when all that happened in Brooklyn North. But once again, what happens when this happens? These stories, they make it to the 14th floor. You know what they do then? You right? They promote you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. he just kept going right up the line. Oh uh, yeah, you know, yeah. And, and uh, you know, so that's their answer. So, I, you know. so what you're saying is that basically, if you're not liked, that's good. I don't know. I wouldn't go that far. That's not true because that I just think they had to send a message that they had to support certain well, people that weren't very well. Liked. If you're so too you're, liked, if you're too liked, that's not good. That's for sure. Well, to Rob, no, what I'll tell you, you no, know, I had a very interesting conversation one time. Tony Simonetti who was the first deputy police commissioner. Oh, Simonetti, yeah, yeah, yeah tough yeah, Tony. Yeah. And I had some friends that knew him well and off duty. And I was in a restaurant, Embers, in Bay Ridge. Which, when I was a CEO with a six eight, was a famous steakhouse, and it was it's a great Bay place. Ridge now it's not Bay Ridge. Ah, uh, well, Bay this Ridge. is down on ninety yeah. fifth. <laughs> well, he's gone. It was still still different. Russian, a lot of Russians now, but uh, so I'm, I'm in there and I'm having a drink and I'm eating. And Simonetti came in and he came over to me and he said, uh, he said to me, uh, I hear good things about you here. And I said, thank you, Commissioner. He said, yeah. I goes, I hear most of them really like you a lot. He says, but uh, I also hear some people think you're a real pain in the ass. And I said, I didn't know what to think. And he goes. That's good. He goes, I don't ever want to ever find out balance. that everybody balance. in the place loves you. He goes, there better be a that's few right. people that think you're, not that they dislike Absolutely. you. That's not the right word, but no, no, you're no. overbearing, you're a pain in the ass. He's a warrior. You're a bit abrasive. Whatever, you know. You're a bit abrasive. A bit well, abrasive. you know, yeah, something like that. The guy's, you know, he's around all the time, whatever. Tom Cusinelli <laughs> said uh, <clears throat> the guy Haggerty had his retirement party in a phone booth. <laughs> yeah, he probably did. B40, well, B40, Chadwick's Him and restaurant in Bay Ridge. Yeah, well, I had my retirement party, not mine. It was torn for me at Roosters on a Bay. There was 600 people there. And you know what mattered wow. to me the most? And what mattered to me was, when I look back now, was people showed up, the detectives. Oh, and the yeah. Well, yeah, the yeah. people who people who came in and shook my hand, whose lives yeah. I saved, the careers I made, or got yeah. them promoted, or whatever, you know? Yeah. In the end, that's, good that's, stuff. What, that's what mattered. It wasn't about... Absolutely. There was a table. You know, there was the table full of... Uh, people that had to be there. There's the people that have to be there, you know. We yeah, yeah, them, yeah, 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 you know? yeah. And then yeah. there's the real people. And, that, you know, that's what it's about in the end. It's your legacy. You see your legacy in front well, of you. That's it. That's it. Right. That's yeah. all it is. And, and in the end, I mean, that's what it comes down to. What did you Absolutely. do? Yeah. You know, I tell yeah. people the story. I meet people constantly 
Well, everywhere I go, whether my wife laughs every time we get on an airplane. JetBlue, I'm on a plane. They got the guy, you know, running down the aisle. Nappy, nappy. They're buying me drinks. Italian <laughs> detectives, sergeants, flight yeah. attendants, yeah. everything. Everywhere yeah. we go, we meet people. And everyone just knows. The lives. The lives they know the that you were there doing the, trying to do the right thing for the that's people. Right. Did you get you know, this on your, this is what they put together for you on your retirement day? Uh, that's one of them. I think I have a, a big, another thing upstairs. <laughs> yeah. That's I got one. Nice. Yeah, that's nice. Well, you know what? Hey, I got a company. You know what my name of my company is? I'm a very stupid. You can see I went to uh, college. Seven Shields Capital. How's that one grab you? Oh, uh, yeah. Nice. Like Seven Shields. I like it. Huh? I like yeah, it. It's yeah. beautiful. I, you know, I want the, the detective one. But the funny thing is the detective one is the one everyone knows. And that's the one. No matter where you go on the job or in the world. That's right. That's the door opener. People yeah. don't know what. Inspector. You know, inspector in Suffolk in uh, San Francisco. <laughs> when Washington, yeah, it's a detective. It's a, it's yeah. a detective. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. People don't know shit. Yeah. In, yeah. in Paris, too. Harry Callahan. In yeah, France, in France, yeah, that's and a, in 911, detective. Remember, and in 911, the uh, the military people and the state troopers, when 911 was going on, I was down there, they kept saluting me and calling me uh, major. That was another one, major. Oh, okay. nobody knows that's what right. the hell those I don't still didn't, did, never knew how to wear them right. The maple nobody leaves, knows yeah. how to wear oak leaves, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, it's yeah, a little yeah. much too, is when you see the chiefs and they got it on the collar. And then they also have it on their uh, the, the lapels. It's a little <laughs> think, because like the four stars with the or the three stars plus uh, plus on the lapels. It's a lot of a lot of stars. It's like Navy I, admirals. They look like admirals in the fucking they, Navy. You know, I look when I look. My whole <laughs> life is like a, a snapshot of memories when I start to think about the things they come to me. And it was funny. I was in a after I got promoted to deputy inspector, I came back to the sixty six precinct to drop off my uniform, whatever I was doing, and I had. I had to, had to put these, change the collar brass. And I put on these little things, you know, and I'm looking in the mirror at myself in the bathroom. And I'm going, am I really a deputy inspector in the police department? I mean, in a million years, trust me when I tell right, you, right. this was never, you know, when I was ripping people out of cars in Harlem, <laughs> this was right. not on the, the program. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, ah. well, you know, you bring something interesting up. We got a new mayor coming in any day now. Uh, I'll show you his face for those people who don't know. That's Eric Adams. He was actually a member of the NYPD once upon a time, rose to the rank of captain, and he's our new mayor. Um, he's talking about bringing, um, I guess, some version of street crime back to to take the guns off the street. How do you think that's going to work out? Well, uh, I taught him. I, I At one point in my life, for, for five years, I was a teacher off duty. I taught at a promotional school for uh, John Timothy. I was a teacher mm -hmm. and he came to my class for captain and he was a very good student. And I remember having conversations with him. Other than that, we had no personal uh, relationship. He has to do this. And, you know, I know people I've discussed this with a lot of friends. And I said, look, if this is what it's going to take, if we need an African-American mayor who was a police captain and a policeman his whole life, if that's what it's going to take to go out to the people of the six, seven, the seven, three, the seven, five, the seven, nine, the three, two, wherever you want to four, eight. Or six, somebody has to be able to talk to the people and say, Look, absolutely, I agree. this has to be done in a right way, 100%. and there is a right way. And what people don't know is it was done in a right way for a long, long time. I went to the street crime unit in 1984 when TPF was disbanded with about 30 young guys. We were under the toolage of very, very sharp sergeants, lieutenants, and older cops. And when I mean older, they were oh, 10 years older. They taught you how to be do this. And 
it, you don't have to be belligerent and nasty and mean, and you don't have to violate people. Talk Treat about people with dignity. Violate. Treat people with you dignity know, and respect, you know, and they walk away. And you're yes, fine. I told Absolutely. when I was in the police academy as a, in charge of the recruits, I told them the stories at the end, and I could tell you a story now that's a true story. I was in the 28 one night in street crime. We stopped the car. We took out the guys. We gave them the toss. Somebody searched the car. The car was clean. I searched the back seat of the car. When I came back out of that car, we looked at the three or four of them, and I said, guys, this is nothing personal. We're just doing our job. Have a nice night. They said, thank you. They got back in this gypsy cab, and they drove off. They left, yeah. I left the radio in the car. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. You stand there, and you start thinking in your head, what the mm -hmm. fuck am I going to do now, right? Well, here comes the car back around the corner. And here's the kid, the guy in the back seat with the radio, because mm -hmm. he knew we wanted. Because you treated him, you treated him with dignity listen, and respect. That's it. There was you no... can be. I say it all the time, Rob. You can be uh, a, a, an effective, aggressive, proactive police officer, and you can still treat people with dignity and respect. The two are mutually exclusive. They're not. And I have. I could tell you about people I worked with in my life. Now I realize today we have the whole camera thing going on, but the cops wear the cameras. The people have the cameras, but. That doesn't change people. I worked with men. I worked with a man named Harry Cuck in the six in a TPF and street crime. Harry Cuck, this man was studied by the job back in the 70s and 80s. He made 5,000 arrests without a civilian complaint. He had medals <laughs> that hung around the back of his neck. The prisoners loved him. He he he, he bought them. What, what did you do? You bought him the soda and you happy got him the chips and shit. Gave him a happy gave meal. cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> when I was in narcotics, I would go out. Every night I made, I supervised probably about 5,000 arrests on the street in seven years. Me and my other wow. sergeants I was with. We'd be in the 8-3, the 9-0, the 7-5, you name the place. By the time I got in with the van full of prisoners, and by the way, back then they were all sailed hand-to-hand, right? Mm -hmm. The heroin or crack to an undercover. You'd come in. Yeah. I'd come in. They'd be in the back. I'd go to the desk. Sergeant would say, you'd point, to the must, you'd point out there in the waiting area, right? There's all the families around there. After I got it settled in, I made my bottom entries. I would walk right out. I'd say, hi, how you doing? I'm Sergeant Napolitano from Brooklyn North Narcotics. Who are you here for? I had all the prison envelopes, right? My son got arrested. I said, what's your son's name? Jose Rodriguez. You know. Oh, okay. What? They're all angry. What did he do? He sold heroin to an undercover New York City policeman. They go like, it just takes the fucking wind, like right out of their sail. Like, Oof. Yeah. Okay. Now, now you know what happens next? I could tell you this happened a thousand times to me. Oh, okay. Um, can you give him cigarettes? Sure. Go across the street. Get him a couple of packs in Newport. I'll give them to him, which I did. You want to give him $10 to Subway Fair to come home after he goes to Scammerhorn Street? Sure. Give me the money. I'll give him back the money. Mm -hmm. What else? People wrote love letters. People said, can you tell him this? How do I get to Scammerhorn? There was none of this. Go fuck yourself. Get out of and the did it? And did it take anything away from you? Did it make you less of a no, Did it make no. you absolutely not? People don't no, realize it made that. it. Yeah. Listen, uh, th nobody got with dignity. That's There it. were no complaints. Listen, no, there was a it's rare simple. time. No one complained. Oh, of course. You, you yeah. just, yeah, and that's what I, I see one of the problems that I watched in the last, all the years is it's the lack of, uh, maybe it's, I, people say you could do a doctorate. Maybe it's generational, uh, the lack of ability to speak to someone. My father told a story when I was a first becoming a cop. My dad was a cop in Brownsville, Brooklyn. In 1963 to 1969, they went to emergency service. My father told me a story which ended up happening to me. He was pulled up. He saw a guy run like three stop signs in, in Brownsville. He pulls over the car. The guy says to him, you're pulling me over because I'm black. My father said, 
there's nobody here but black people. He says, you just <laughs> almost ran, you almost ran over six kids back there. They're all black. He goes, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. You need to say that to people. You have to have an honest yeah. dialogue. And that's being yeah. honest. Yeah. Similar hey, B40, B40. He says, ask the yeah. inspector. Some of it he worked for in Brooklyn, North Narcotics. Once see if he worked with my old man. Um, if you. If you worked with B forty B, I don't know what B forty's uh, old man's name is, but probably. Hey, listen, since uh, so you know, go ahead. Now, to your point, um, you see this new directive, and I don't know if you're going to bring this up, Mark. With the, uh, they, they're going to start documenting the race of every person that they pull over on car stops. Now it's January first. They got to fill out a form, and they got to say, "Hey, you know, I pulled over." Um, People are making this such a fucking big deal. If you work, guess what? Like you said, if you work in the seven five, the seven seven, the four eight, the four six, the four four, guess who you're gonna be pulling over? You're gonna be pulling over minorities. That's it. Yeah, that's what yeah, happens. That's... And and you're gonna pull over the occasional white person because they're gonna be there to buy drugs or find or, right. or find a female, right? Somebody's so, gonna have to figure that out. The demographics well, listen, don't lie. Hey, the demographics don't lie. They don't lie, and you don't. And it's not people shouldn't be. And the problem is we've become so much. They've made everyone so frightened of all this. That is so silly. It's silly. Like when you're in narcotics, you're arresting. I used to say to people all the time, hey, when you're locking up drug dealers that are selling crack and heroin to children and people killing them, I don't give a rat's ass what color they are or where they're from because they're poisoning their own communities. And and believe it or not, and the the part that bothers me is that I used to preach this to to people as a commander. 95 98 percent of people understand. everywhere are good people and they understand they it and they do understand it guess what no. unfortunately for the police the 98 percent of the people that want the police they're scared they're, un- scared. they're scared and they're never the ones heard hey they're thank you ryan heard. investigative group for the five dollar super chat thank you bill very much appreciated see here's the problem okay um and you couldn't say it any better than uh senator tom cotton said it he wrote um a piece Basically, what he's saying is, I'll, I'll, I'll show you the person who's responsible for all this crap that we're going through right now. And there he goes right there. Warm crime must begin with recalling, removing every last Soros district attorney. If you don't know what's going on here, Soros has big pockets. He bankrolls all these left wing district attorneys. Um, the average district attorney race, the person that they're up against probably doesn't even have a quarter of the money that... Um, they, they uh, the a Soros candidate has to put towards his campaign. And this is what happens. Uh, and that's how you get bail reform, um, where people are getting released from bail. Uh, like we saw the the Christmas Day uh, parade. The parade, yeah. Where that maniac ran over and killed so many different people out in the $1,000 bail when he just finished trying to kill his his um, his common-law wife. yeah. 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 Uh, these are legal. Uh, this is what he says. These legal arsonists condemn our rule of law as systematically racist and have not simply abused pr- uh, prosecutorial discretion. They have embraced prosecutorial prosecutorial nullification. As a result, a contagion of crime has infected virtually every neighborhood under their charge. And when under their charge, we're talking about um, big blue cities, all That's these right. big blue cities where this guy Soros was able to. Get one of his DAs in. They're killing you. They're killing you. You know, homicides are up. Um, homicides are up. So's uh, death uh, by drug abuse all over the country in those big blue cities. Incredible Chicago, numbers. Chicago has 795 homicides for the year. It's the highest number of homicides in 25 years. 
25 years. And Lori Lightfoot goes on camera with her with her uh, wife, right? And sits there and wishes everybody a happy Kwanzaa. Um, yeah. When uh-huh. 22 people uh, were shot over Christmas weekend and three of them were killed. And, and she says nothing. She says nothing about, hey, stop killing each other. We got to support our police. No, they just, they're content to sit in their bubbles and let the cities burn around them. Well, that, that's my concern is, is, is I hope that Eric Adams and certain elected officials around him and the new police commissioner and whoever, these people are going to need to go out and explain to people, listen, you know, we're going to have these cops driving around in an unmarked car and they're going to wear the ray jackets, you know? So it's, listen, when I, it doesn't matter when you're the police, they know who you are. Who's kidding? Exactly. Yeah. Whether exactly. you're jumping out in, a, in an army coat, hockey, in jerseys, or, hockey jerseys, hockey jerseys, or, <laughs> Shorts. <laughs> they know you're the police. It's yeah. like you say, but right now they know. don't even care if you're in a marked car. No, I mean, every single anything. thing that you can take away, they legalize everything. They legalize drugs. Most of the crimes um, in Lori Lightfoot, Chicago, I think it is a thousand dollars. You can steal up to a thousand dollars worth of stuff. Yeah, nine hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah. You know what was interesting? Um, I, I remember. It's not a crime, by the way. Back in. The, Somebody took all these arrest numbers of these NICID numbers, you know, the arrest number of the people who get arrested yeah. for mm-hmm. possession, the possessors, the sellers, all these people. Somebody went and I think it was in Bushwick, Brooklyn. We were doing a whole case around this Knickerbocker Park area. Oh, and, yeah, uh, I know. it. All right. Yeah. Well, I worked there for years. So some captain at the time was like 19. We're talking 1993. He was like ahead of his time in this thinking. He had them run the criminal arrest records of all these, like, say, 500 people. These people are not just drug sellers. They're not just drug users, they break into cars, they're burglars, they're muggers, they're robbers. This goes back to the whole Jack Maple thing with Bratton, that yeah, yeah. these people are what we called walking 61s. Mm-hmm. Until they get arrested for doing something wrong, there's going to be another victim. And what? And people like me who did that work, people used to ask us all the time, you pull up in a van, right? These six guys, big guys like me, we jump out, we run over, we grab the two guys, we cuff them up, search them, take their shit, put them in a van. They never ask, what am I under arrest for? Why? They knew. They knew. Well, they not only did they know, <laughs> they but there's something. Well, how, well how, in a lot of cases, <laughs> their brains were spinning because they're thinking, are they warrants? Are they narcotics? Are they the squad? Are they yeah. rip? Are they yeah. ram? Like these guys are just criminals. And until you take them off the street for something, before how it's. Before yeah, Howard Stern, because, before yeah. Howard Stern became a liberal, he used to say, uh, "You might not be in, uh, guilty of what you're in jail for, but you're guilty of something." <laughs> well, yeah. it's, well, you know what I did? It's so funny because I've told this story to people over the years on the very rare occurrence where it did happen. It's so funny because, well, I went to detective school. The first thing I learned is what I tell people all the time: innocent people proclaim their innocence. Mm-hmm. And uh, undercovers would make a buy, and they would put over the description of the people, and they'd say, "You know, corner of whatever, whatever. Get this guy, this guy, whatever the clothes." You know, everybody would come driving around. Occasionally, you'd grab a guy. There was always two guys with the same hat or whatever. The minute you jumped out and went towards the wrong guy, they looked at you with this fear. And they were like, what's the matter? I just came to get milk. Like, you know yeah, you had the yeah. wrong guy. Yeah, you knew innocent it. Right, people yeah. proclaim their innocence. And the other guy would be like, no, no, that's not the guy. You know, it's the other guy. You know, Right. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, we were like really fanatical about never, never, ever doing the wrong thing. And, that, you know, yeah. and once again, people just thought. People talk about it like, oh, they just go out. They just arrest people. No, no, no. Listen, you got my pre-recorded buy money in your fucking pocket, okay? I yeah. photographed it four hours ago. And That's my two $10 bills, yeah. brother. Right. I know right. just who you are. You know, right. we got right. you good. Right. Be felonies. 
that's what screwed up uh, street crime, right? Um, when they started putting these kids with four years on a job that didn't know what the fuck they were doing. They never worked right. in the ghetto. I was in anti-crime when the Diallo shooting happened. You know, those all those guys that, that were in the shooting, they had four years on the job. What well, are they doing working well, on the like, cover in the hood? Well, and, and more importantly, at the end, when that incident occurred, once again, you have to know the police department. And, you know, we all understand it's a, it's a big emotional animal. And the response is always 10 times worse than it should be as it goes up. And yeah, but how come I'll, I'll say this to you. How come when I was there, that didn't happen? Why? I could tell you why, because I worked with sergeants. Yeah, and I worked with lieutenants and experienced cops that, first yeah, of you all, were you were taught, what the hell, you don't shoot, you, 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 why are you shooting a guy who's running away for things you don't even yeah, know about? It right, makes no exactly. sense from a, from a legal perspective. I mean, listen, as a cop, the most important thing you learn is the law. And you want to go home at night with a clear conscience that you're not arresting the wrong people. You're arresting right. people for the right reasons. And most importantly, God forbid you ever have to use that weapon. You better be right, because I learned early on in this game. There's only two kinds of people. There's the heroes and there's the goats. And mm -hmm. we know about the goats. You don't Smith, want to be the goat. Smith yeah. bro, uh, Smith bro, who's in the chat says Washington state now wants to lower penalty for drive-bys done by my, done by minority promote racial equality. Washington state, what they did was um, in that state, they have a law. If it's a drive-by shooting, it's um, an elevated, it's you're just not charged with homicide. You're charged yeah. with an elevated form of homicide, which is it's a bigger penalty, more time, um, probably maybe even the death penalty, depending on how many people shot, if you killed anybody. But now they want to lower that. They want to get rid of that stipulation and just make it a regular, just a regular shooting as opposed to a drive-by. I mean, right. listen, you know, a what's a regular shooting to somebody's mother or father when they're dead? That's horrible. Oh, yeah. Murray. Yeah. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for the five dollar super chat. Prosecutors no. can be compassionate, but they must prosecute. I agree with you a hundred percent. They're not doing their job. They're negligent of doing their job. If you're going to, if you're a prosecutor uh, working in the DA's office and they're making all the crimes that you, well, what used to be a crime legal now. Yeah. What is your job? What is your function? Why do you need so many people there? Yeah. They're rogue DAs. That's what they are. They're rogue. They're rogue Los Angeles. and the liberal judges. Yeah. Well, the judges in New York can't even remand you or give you bail. I mean, for a lot of these crimes, it's just ridiculous. And the yeah. police commissioner has been on the TV the last two years constantly pointing out these specific cases. How do you have a guy with a gun who is out on no bail? I never heard of such shit in my life. The guy that shot that 13-year-old kid a couple of weeks ago on his way to school. The guy had yeah. like seventy three prior collars. Or I mean, you know, like where is the it's where insane. is the justice? Yet? And he and his last collar was for a gun, and he had a gun. And once Bill again, Ryan. it goes back. And only the community suffers. I worked in in, in mostly poor neighborhoods. Ninety yeah. all the people that want the police, they don't want this bullshit. Why is this guy out on the street? He this poor child that was killed. It's horrible. But yeah. where were the politicians to demand it? The police commissioner was very vocal. The chief of the Bronx, who I actually worked for me as a lieutenant, uh, Kenny Lear. I called him up. He was on TV. He was pissed. I never yeah. saw a two-star chief on TV that angry as to why yeah. did this have to happen? It didn't have to happen. Yeah, that's they, the problem too. You could have, you could have a mayor, uh, you could have a, a police commissioner, but if the pro, if the the DA of Manhattan is not on board, or even if it's in Queens, any DA that's not on board, um, and they just keep releasing these people. You know what they should do, though? You should just keep locking them up. Just follow that person. Well, as soon I mean, as you have out. to. You have to keep Listen, locking them up. And you, you turn no back. Choice. If you turn back the clock, 
from 2022 to 1994, when it all started, the whole broken windows theory with Bratton and Maple, and guys like me that were already in enforcement for 13 years, didn't even believe that this could happen. And it happened. I was at the meetings. I told you earlier, I was there. I was at those first CompStat meetings. I went. For, I went for probably almost 20 years. And guess what? Maple came to Bro- – I was a sergeant in Brooklyn North Homicide Squad, which I don't want to go off on a whole tangent. But Maple was a man that came out of nowhere with these thoughts and ideas. And he was right. And he said, look, we, nobody's working together. We need to lock up all these people with warrants because they're bad people. And jumping turnstiles was the whole thing. These are criminals. Why are we not locking them up and throwing them in the system? Mm-hmm. They're yeah. going to mug somebody we get on the train. A man who won't mm-hmm. pay $1.50 to ride the subway is up to no good. That's but you're not allowed That's to say right. that today, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So he came to the homicide squad in Brooklyn North, and I was there. I, he, he wanted narcotics assigned there. So they put me there with a big module, undercovers. I had everything. And we worked there for three years, and it was a very, very – interesting experience and important police work because maple came he sat us down and he said do you know how many people were shot in brooklyn north last year and somebody said no and he said five thousand mm-hmm. there was 800 in the seven five along he said 4300 some crazy number he said do you know how many people here are really shooting people 400 people yeah he right. goes we yeah. got to get those people. 400 people same people right yeah. We yeah. Have what do you think comstat is like now I mean, it's if you're sitting there and you're one of the biggest boys, you know, you're all the big boys. I used to have to sit in on Comstat too because I worked for the chief of these towards the end. And uh, I used to have to go sit there and just take notes for, for just to take notes. I don't know why nobody ever took my notes, but um, I don't understand what they're doing in Comstat now because How if can you bring up, police if you, work. yeah, if you bring up a case and you make a great collar and that guy gets out tomorrow <laughs> and does, does another crime. How are you going to pin that on on the? On I know they can't. The CEO of a command, no. the, the you know who's ever in charge of the borough. What are you doing about this? We caught him. They let him out yeah, again. They let him out again. I mean, I don't know. I, to me, that's a whole other level of frustration to the job that I can't even begin to. My my Bram out. my Bram sergeant in the four eight ended up being the uh, squad uh, CEO or, or the squad uh, supervisor of the four O, and I won't say his name, but he used to get sick. When they were going to call him to Comstack, because he said, I'm like a pinata. He goes, I go there and they just fuck me up. Like they, they, they just well, beat me down. And he was, mm-hmm. he would, he would fucking get physically ill the, like two days before he had to go to Comstack. Yeah. Having done it, I did it for so many years that at the end, I actually, well, I actually hold, this is on the record. I can go on a record with this one that me and my squad commander in the 103 hold the record to this day for the longest Comstat presentation. Uh, and and our team of people from narcotics and warrants and rip unit and everybody was there with me, surrounding me like a, like an army up there. We did three hours at the podium. Holy I was Lord. leading I was leading the city in 2003 in homicides and shootings in the 103. And Commissioner Kelly, they wrote a big expose in Newsday. And I woke up one morning. I thought I was going to throw up when I saw it. I still have it somewhere in my basement over here. Five pages about all the shootings and murders. So I knew everyone. I mean, you know, there was only so much you could do, but whatever. Yeah, of course. So yeah. they put, they called me up. They said, you're coming down. You're doing the whole thing. We want to review every homicide. There was 48 of them at the time. We did them with a little break in between. But I have a tape in my house that if I was to put on now, I would probably want to throw up. I had a oh, knot in my stomach. Now realize I'm already a full inspector. Right, they can't right. do shit to me. Yeah, right. But right, you know right, what? Right. I, I can't. And, and the squad commander with me and, uh, and the rip unit and the special Everybody operations lieutenant, they all care. these there's a team of people up there with me 
And everybody's yeah. pitching in the lieutenant. Everybody's getting slapped around. It was a four, three hour beat down. It was great. It was an orgy. It was the a worst you know orgy. <laughs> but you know what? You get to the, you know, but Everybody it's different for the big boy. I, I, it's different you know for weird. the big bosses, though. I feel bad. Like you you talk about like a sergeant or lieutenant there. When you get higher up, it's like Louis Animon was on. I watched the show with him. It was very interesting. Oh, he Louis said Animal. he was oh, being yeah. a little nice on the show with you, Mark. And he said, yeah, yeah. well, you know, come on, come on. These guys get paid. He's right. And if you want to be a precinct commander, you want to be a deputy inspector or an inspector mm -hmm. or a chief, you've got to know what you're doing and you've got to be able to stand up here and take the hits and, and answer it and have a plan and a strategy. What are we doing? I dealt with him. I dealt with them all. You, you know, you're trying your best to whatever you're telling him. You know, you're His daughter, doing. his daughter went to Fordham University and the four rate covers Fordham University. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You know how many times oh. he showed up at the desk at fucking 3 o'clock in the oh, morning? Get guys out there. There's people that holler at the moon drinking. You guys aren't it's doing hot. shit. Oh, my God. daughter's going to school. My daughter's <laughs> going to school. There. You guys are going to let her get killed. We're like, what the oh. fuck, boss? Like, it's get hard. out of here. What are you doing? But it's hard. It's oh, hard to find sergeants and lieutenants. Yeah, but the problem was a job. lot of people felt like... The, he would you know, get helicopters and shit. If you're a boss, if you're a boss on this job and you got to stand up at Comstat, you shouldn't feel like you were the one who committed the crime. And you that was a right, big right, problem. Yeah. You, when you left you know, there, I don't know. When you I never there, felt like that. Uh, uh, I never but, felt like that. But sometimes after, you know, sitting there watching it a lot of times. I never went. And, and, I've and, never and been. You, you, you're getting beat went. over the head. Some people felt like that. Some well, people felt I like, had, well, you're treating bad. me like I'm the one. Like, I felt bad for the sergeants and lieutenants because when their back was up against the wall, I knew that. Listen, listen, there's a lot easy to there's a lot easier jobs in the police department than being we used to call it the arena of justice down there very few people want to come into this arena and be there with yeah. these people mm -hmm. coming at you left and right and only the toughest right. people uh, can do it and you know like you, you, you don't want to break a guy because like i feel so bad for people because hey look there's 33 sergeants in the 103 precinct i had at one point most of them have an easy job wow. basically mm -hmm. Why are you breaking the balls of the squad commander who's worrying about everything under the sun? You know, it's a hard job and he's not making any more money. Mm -hmm. Now, let's talk about the money now. Hey, nobody. I was a cop and I was an inspector. You don't complain down. I never came back from that building once and walked in any building. Six, eight, six, six, one, oh, three. Never. Well, Queens Narcotics. Four years I was there. You don't come back and start complaining to cops and detectives. and sergeants. They don't feel bad for you and nor should they. <laughs> I remember the Mondays when um when I was in the squad and that call used to come. You guys got pulled for Comstat, and then then we who whoever was working that day shift, you knew you you weren't going home at least till two three o'clock in the morning. And then what what happened was a couple hours later you'd get the cases that they they're gonna look at, and then then you started heading to the copy machine. All three floors, yeah, using every copy, copies and everything, Ridiculous. making copies of cases and updating cases, starting from scratch uh, on some cases. That was uh, before we, uh, yeah, we went well, you could do the five. Yeah, well, like oh, you, you got one five on this. <laughs> no, like, <laughs> well, first of all, you know, exceptional clearance. That's if it. they pulled, it didn't matter because when they decided what three precincts they, and I did, I went down there for like I said, like thirteen years. Whatever three precincts or four they were going to do. They were going to pull cases till they found ones that were missing shit or it wasn't done yeah, good right, enough. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, come the on. Cases, you know, we know. The cases know. that they pulled, it wasn't an accident. Of course. All right, let's take a break you know. here because we're going to wrap up soon. Uh, Nikki Bella, uh, she says, hi, Joe Murray. Bill Cham, nice job, Nappy. Mr. Biggie, <laughs> I love uh, you guys say these guys are great guys and you never say different things in public. Get them. Uh... All right, I don't know. That's a little long for me. Um, anyway, I want to read this commercial. This is uh, one of our sponsors here. 
and uh, a frequent guest. He's a law contributor. He's a former cop, and uh, he's a great attorney. Folks, God forbid you get in trouble tomorrow night, New Year's Eve, and you need an attorney. I Hopefully you'll pick up the phone, but <laughs> or any other day of the year if you get in trouble. This is the attorney that you want backing you up. Um, he's He's great. He's going to return your phone call, and he's going to be there for you, fighting in your corner. His number is uh, 646-838-1702, jmurray-law.com. Excellent attorney, big fan of the show. He's our legal expert on the show. Remember, take a picture of this screen right now. Screenshot this. This is the number you want to have with you. I've already hooked him up with a couple of friends of mine who got jammed up, and they can't. They, they, all they do is... Uh, Tell me what a, how much help he's given them and how confident they are now and how much better they feel now that they have Joe Murray in their corner. Uh, let's look at the chat one more time. Uh, for all the people that were, were tuning in live and were in the chat, thank you so much for your support this this whole year. It's um, It's been a pleasure to do these shows, and I'm looking forward to um, 2022. Thank you, everybody. Have a, a, all the best New Year's. And... Um, that being said, uh, here's the time when we come to part in words. Um, Mr. Nappy, uh, you were you were a phenomenal guest. Um, you want to hit us off with one uh, something that you've been dying to get off your chest since you retired? Tell everybody. Well, I read a book. Like one, I read a book one time, and it said the guy was a woman wrote a book about the whole job, and at the end, some inspector and police headquarters said to her, "Stop interviewing all these people because no one ever leaves happy." They always leave like they owe them one more. <laughs> Everybody uh -huh. I ever met felt they should have been a first grader or a second grader or a chief or an Indian. You know, it's funny so, that you said that. I, you know, I felt sure. like I, I was up for second grade. Yeah. And um, I don't know what happened. Uh, oh, you know what it was? Pulaski was the chief of these then, and he wasn't giving a grade to anybody. <laughs> and I worked directly under him, and I, I just knew. Like, he didn't even look at the list, really. I don't think. I retired out of JTTF as a third grader, and I had two huge cases that I briefed to the deputy commissioner john miller so uh you know it happens right it's it politics. And, and i had a colonel in the army a colonel in the army said to it's me politics. a retired colonel he told me he said to me there's a lot of colonels but there's not a lot of generals mm -hmm. so you That's know right. what i rest well at night that i didn't need to be a general i was happy yep. being a colonel it was mm -hmm. more than i ever expected and i'm okay with it all because i did what i wanted to do got to yep. be true to yourself whatever the hell you That's are That's right. Absolutely, you know, hundred you know. yep. percent. So, and I'll leave you with this: my uncle, my deceased uncle, who I'm named after, said, "Who was a cop? My father was a cop." He said, "The best." At the end of the day, I've been in the private sector for eleven years now. The best people I ever met in my life were New York City cops. Amen to that. That's it. Doesn't catch yep. it. That's right. Angel, what do you got? What do you got? Parting words. Um, happy New Year to everybody. Thanks for bringing me on board, uh, Mark, and um. Go follow me on Twitter. That's where I do my advocating for the for the police. Big reeking man. I'm going to be on Fox and Friends first tomorrow morning at 4.50 a.m., bright and early because I got a face for radio. So put me <laughs> on early. Um, I'll be uh, talking about the uh, rise in crime in blue cities across America with an LAPD detective and a Chicago uh, PD officer. So I'll see you tomorrow morning. I have a friend that uh, he, he does the uh, – he was on the show once before. He does the, the podcast for Fox – and uh, I'll hook you guys up. You'd be a great guest okay. for him, too. Cool. Um, and in the meantime, folks, if you're a fan mm -hmm. of the show, please don't forget, Angela's been posting this. She's a saint. She's looking out for us. Don't, for don't forget to hit that thumbs up for the show. 
Also, we have a Patreon. What does the Patreon do? The Patreon helps uh, helps us produce this show. I just uh, I got a gift, a new camera. You think we look good now? Wait till I hook up this new camera. <laughs> I plan on taking the show a little Nothing's bit on the road too. Nah, nah, nah. You're right. <laughs> Consider being a Police Off the Cuff channel member. YouTube also has memberships. It's Police Off the Cuff membership. Uh, we have three different tiers there. The first one is not expensive at all. It's two ninety nine. You greatly help us out. Like I said, we have the Police Off the Cup membership, three tiers there. We have the Patreon, three tiers there. Every every dollar goes to uh, helping us produce the show and bringing bring great guests. And uh, we have a merch page, too. If you like the show and you want to pick up some merch, uh, we have hats. We have mugs. Um, a lot of the stuff is pretty funny. We have, um, uh, what's that, dipped in butter. And heated, dipped in butter, <laughs> these different levels that Bill came up with. Uh, real great stuff. And to uh, once again, to all the people that tuned in uh, this past year, thank you so much. To our new guests that are joining up, thank you so much. Uh, Nappy, thank you so much. You're pleasure. a great, great guest. Thanks, Would you mind Nappy. coming back? Would you like to come sure. back? Sure. We'd, lo we'd love to have you back. And I'm, Thanks, this, the hour. that's how I know it's a great guest when the hour goes by so fast. Ruth Ann Griffin gives uh, uh, like hey, 10 I watched, I watched a bunch. Of, I've seen a lot of them. Your shows, I've watched a few of them. I know a lot of the people that were on it. And I'll tell you, you got the cream of the crop. <laughs> yeah, I'm very proud of our guest list that we've had. And um, and some of them even tuned in, like, you know, Peter Pranzo, you know, and um, Bill Ryan and Joe Murray. All these guys were great. Billy great Ryan's guys. father was a cop in street crime when I was a young man there. Uh -huh. I know them all. Yeah, we got um, we, we we definitely have not only do we a great guest, but they also stick around and they come back frequent guests. We'd love you to be a frequent guest, Happy. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you, everybody. Happy Wish New Year, everybody. Adios. Happy New Year. God bless. Happy New Year. All Thank the you. best. Bye bye. Two thousand twenty-two. Here we come.